I think being able to say say something really long in a very short way is the hardest thing to do. Hey, what's up, people? It's Brandon Ferris, and you're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with the people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is copywriter Nate Dye. He's worked at agencies from big to boutique on brands that you know and love. We put pen to paper with the copywriter's Bible and find out how he gets to a big idea. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. What's up, Nate Die? How you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm so excited you're on the show. I don't know, man. You're just, you're like one of my go-to people in life, buddy. I love you. Oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. It's always fun to, <laughs> it's always fun to chat with you and, uh, you know, join whatever latest podcast you've cooked up um, or, or any other project for that matter. I think that's kind of what you do. Well, you know, we always try to mix it up. So for those of you listening, Nate Dye is a good friend of mine. He actually uh, is the reason I'm at uh, my current agency, Leap Group. He kind of was a, the first guy I met, and, and I really enjoyed hanging out with him and said, I want to work out with, with, with this guy. Not work out. Like, I don't want to, like, do reps and, like, push-ups and stuff. But I want to work with uh, with this guy. <laughs> and uh, And he introduced me to a lot of the people that you guys are going to hear and meet on this show. So um, as a, as an advertising, I, I view him as part mentor, uh, part really good friend, and um, and and part member of our our skateboard gang. Oh yeah, Dad Skate so, Squad. We've um, yeah, and we uh, also have daughters named L. So there's a that's right. Com- We've got a lot in common. Yeah, so many things. Yeah, so many things. But yeah, so yeah, so today we're going to mainly speak about our connection in the world of advertising. We might dabble a little bit into the Dad Skate Squad because that's yeah. pretty awesome. You can't not talk um, about other things like that <laughs> when when we're having conversations. They always veer off into exactly. a different world. That's awesome. Well, man, you you selected a really interesting book. So you picked out a book. When I asked you to be on the show, you picked out the Copywriter's Bible. Yeah. And little did I know is it's out of print. <laughs> it's it's not available on Kindle, which is my preferred method of reading. Yeah. And it goes for about $400. Yeah. The, for anybody listening to this, they're probably not going to be able to get it <laughs> to, to check out what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so... I've made it. Yeah, difficult. so so the pod the podcast that introduces big ideas and books to people, this is the one that maybe this podcast is your best hope. Well, here's the thing: you could probably look this up, and if you see all the writers that are featured in this, you could find things that they've written, like Luke Sullivan and gotcha. uh, stuff like that. Like find their books, and so these are basically just like snippets, like one page summaries from all these writers, like 32 different writers about how they approach writing. Um, so oh, okay. the whole idea that it is the copywriter's Bible is, you know, it's, it's like this very brief summary and look into the, the life and styles of how people uh, view writing and then their approaches to writing. So it's fun. Yeah. Because the Bible's so brief. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's just <laughs> like that. No, it's, it is, you know, it's that <laughs> reference thing. Like you can, I can go back and think about, um, when I was in college, I learned like a, a liberal arts education on advertising. So you kind of understand the yeah. background of it and, you know, the mad men type of world and, 
how you build an ad and how you create a campaign and stuff like that. But um, I never really like learned how to write um, copy. So I had to kind of read books about how to do it. People like Luke Sullivan, this book in particular, which is one that I luckily stole from an agency that I worked at that closed. Um, <laughs> so it's the only way I still have it. I had it in college. We're off to then, a great. We're yeah. off to a great start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it's one of those ones you're like, well, I'm not. Th- I'm not letting this get away. I got to hang on to this. Um, and uh, I've I've hung on to it. It's one of the few things that I've hung on to from agency world. There's some you know old awards tucked in a bin somewhere, maybe, or um, some CDs or uh, zip drives somewhere. But for the most part, this is like the book that I kept. Because it has those yeah. um, kind of go-to things uh, that you can look back on and say, yep, that's how I need to approach today or this project. Um, and I think maybe even that's, when I... That's awesome. Yeah, when I first read it and went through it, I don't think I completely understood what they were talking about and the approach. But, you know, 20 years into a, my career, all that stuff makes so much sense now and still holds weight, which I think is fun. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're now in the game, and you're starting to see that the where the book smarts meets the street smarts, as we say here on a quick read. Um, so let's let's jump right in. Um, actually, let's real quick, just one more backstory. Did why are you in advertising? Like that seems like you know what I mean. Like that's never the responsible choice. No, no, it's not. Um, I was um, through school like very science and math focused. Um, and I thought that I was going to be an engineer, uh, until I went to college and then realized that, that it's like really hard, uh, to be an engineer. And (laughs) I I really wasn't as smart as I thought I was, um, in science and math. And, um, so at that same time I was getting whipped up on in college, my brother was an art director at a big agency in Cincinnati and was like, going to San Francisco on TV shoots and, um, you know, designing, living the dream, living the dream. He's doing billboards. He's on an anti-tobacco campaign. He's doing all this cool stuff. He's an award shows winning, you know, the awards. And he was like kind of the, he was the young superstar kid in Cincinnati at that point. And I thought he was a rock star. Um, not only that, let's, let's be honest. He's the golden child of the, of the family. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. He's, (laughs) he's the nicest one for sure. Now, now real quick, let's take an aside. So you mentioned your brother. So, you know, uh, explain that, that connection there because he's, uh, he's not only your brother, but now you guys are partners in in a new way. Yeah. We're, we have, we are each half of die brothers, um, our own small agency based out of our houses. Um, but we spent, you know, the last five or six years, we were both kind of had gotten out of agency life and had gone on our own freelancing. And we were always just like working on projects, uh, together, uh, whether it was, uh, with a client or, um, figuring out ways to do like a mural together or something like that. We would just be working on projects together and working in each other's houses we finally got an opportunity to pitch a client, uh, like a decent sized client. And we're like, well, we can't just do this as Chris and Nate, um, freelancers. So we formed die brothers, which seemed like the easiest name to come up with. And one that, you know, we wouldn't hate after a while. Um, and then, uh, so we've been doing die brothers for over two years now. 
we have several of our own clients. We partner with other agencies and kind of go in and, and um, like hired guns and freelance for them. And, and it's fun. Yeah. We do murals. We write children's books. We, I don't know there's too many things to do. Um, yes, sure. Yesterday we were screen printing posters that um, just for fun year end projects. That's great. Uh, so you guys, you guys are leveraging your agency experience but you're giving it um, and you're, you're allowing people to tap into you as needed without carrying the overhead, but then also being able to have the freedom to do projects like you just mentioned, whether it's a, a kid's book or some screen printing. I know you've, you've created um, some, some resources for the dad skate squad, you yeah. know, hats and shirts yep. and stuff like that. So, so that's, that's really cool. Well, well, before we, we get, we get too far in, let's just, you know, before you became die brothers, yep. Um, just give us sort of the quick best of or sort of the greatest hits. Like, what kind of agencies did you work at? Were they big? Were they small? What kind of brands were you working on? Like, let's do it in like, uh, like, like a, like a t- 10 second, 20 second drill. Just okay. sort of knock those out. It was, um, I started off in a, a B2B agency working on like projects like Kodak and, um, um, Makino tools and stuff like that. And I went to, an agency called GJP where I got to do, this was like my big step into agency world where I got to do TV print radio for Cincinnati bell, Provident bank, um, stuff like that. And, um, then I moved to wonder group where we did some kids advertising, which was fun. And that was kind of a dabble into uh, digital world, uh, websites and, and stuff like that. And then we went to possible, did a bunch of digital work for them. Um, freelance in between each of these times, I would freelance for like six months right. to a year, um, and then right. I'd come with back all, with all the side hustles. Yeah, with all the side hustles in between. Yeah, and then come back and work in an agency for a little while, and then go back to freelancing. And uh, I went to um, Leap, where I met you yes! on the very first project I worked on at Leap was where I met you. Um, oh, we fell in love, yeah. or I, at least I fell in love. Yeah. I don't know if you. I kind of felt like you fell in love, but I definitely fell in love. I did, it, and that let's let's take an aside on this moment yeah. for a second because we we meet on this first project for um, the Michelle Obama campaign yep. that was doing um, healthy healthy foods, safe routes to school, yep. the, and something else. The We Thrive campaign. So it was like yeah. healthy eating at home healthy eating at school mm-hmm. and you know safety for kids on their on their route to yeah, school and, it was and stuff a, like that. It was a great little dynamic project where we had like a sp- a split screen. Oh yeah, side um, by side. I'll, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes and people can check it out, but you know we shot on Area Alexa, there was a, a big 50 foot track and dolly film shoot. It was a lot of fun yeah. and, and you at that point in time I was like, okay, these guys are doing it right. They're not cutting corners and that's why I wanted to go and be a part of, of Leap, which is now you know evolved into Leap Group, and, and I founded Leap Frame. Yep. Um, but yeah, me and you got to work together for several years there. Yeah, um, it was and that and on the Carnival Cruise awesome. Lines. Oh yeah, right. That's a that's another classic where uh, where we ended up going down to Miami to shoot um, to shoot on this cruise ship. You were actually you actually went down the slide. Oh yeah, you were like in the commercial. I'm in the, yeah, I'm in it. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. But uh, funny story there is we went out to a client dinner the night before the shoot. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, because I know you were, you were with us, and I disappear for like a while. Oh, yeah. And um, I come back, and I just, I'm white as a ghost, and I look to you guys, and I say, I gotta go. I, 
I think I have food poisoning. Yeah. And I run out, and I ended up uh, basically puking my guts out for 24 hours. Yeah. And then, like, I think I even, like, I think I even cried out to you in the night. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I feel like you... I think I was like, you know what I mean? I was like, Nate, so help me. I don't know. Like, I was... You guys were bringing me food to the door or like water. Like you yeah. were trying to make sure I was still alive. It's like that. It uh, I have like legit celebrity stories of them like rolling up after a night of partying and red eyed bloodshot feeling terrible. That was like you, but like in the worst way with, possible. Yeah. Not because you're out partying right, but, and having and fun. And without the, yeah. And without the cocaine yeah. and like the hookers, <laughs> so it was like. So much less. It was yeah. like, I got a hold of like shellfish or something yeah. weird. That I couldn't, you know, my butt, it, it was crazy. And then, so I, I like, I remember I said to you. I was prepped and I ready said, to direct. I, yes, I said, <laughs> I remember I said to you, I said, Nate, I don't think I can do this tomorrow. Yeah. You're going to have to direct. And you were like, uh, I've never done that. Yeah. And I, I think I said to you, I go, here's, a, I go, here's all you need to know. <laughs> I said, um, I said, just say action when you're ready to start. <laughs> and say cut when Done. you think you yeah, got it. That was it. <laughs> and you were ready to roll. Yeah. I was I was so excited to make my you know almost disappointed that you showed up that I didn't get to make my directorial <laughs> debut. Um, but yeah, that that was amazing. And then from uh, Leap, I went on and worked at Powerhouse, where we worked on a bunch of stuff for like Kroger and even Flow Feeding. And you did a bunch of candy candy stuff too, didn't you? Uh, I did at, like airheads and stuff i did that at wonder group when we did kind of like the kids okay. kids advertising tops i worked on tops like trading cards yeah stuff like that and then um from powerhouse that was kind of like my last agency hurrah and i was like you know i'm that kind of that agency went under and i kind of like was like i'm gonna just do my own thing for a while and i freelanced and then that eventually led us into die brothers and from the agency world knowing enough people um, and connections. I had good connection with Evenflow Feeding, so they were kind of a client of mine for a while, and it led me into um, John A., which was a stroller company out of Europe that I helped do the branding for that's still one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, which which makes a lot of sense, because if there's anybody who has the, all the babies... It's me. It's you. Yeah, I have a lot of babies. So you've got, you've got the timing. twins who are now... 13. Pre-teens. Yeah. No, they're 13. They are. And teens. then you've got... And then you've got two more that yeah. are like babies. Yeah, Rue just turned five and Bergen's two. So they're that's crazy. Yeah. I, I timed out my stuff that I worked on booze and baby stuff at the same time because I needed both of those things <laughs> and I got free free stuff from both of them. Worked booze up. and babies. Yeah. That that right there is a that's the summary of the copywriter's Bible, everybody. That should be my booze and babies. That's, that's like the that's the genesis. Yeah, that's gonna uh, be my podcast. oh it's so good well man this is so much fun and i could talk to you for hours just about us hanging out um that's just fun to hear ourselves talk yeah but i think the other people on the on the listening maybe want to hear some stuff that that's practical to the uh to the agency world so let's jump into the copywriter's bible one of the first big ideas that um a lot of these authors are talk about and it's not necessarily that it's a chapter in the book but it's more of a theme that you see throughout these these legendary copywriters this idea of the power of the pencil or the power of the pen talk to me about that and how has that manifested in your career yeah i think um like i said i started like 20 years ago so it was a little bit different time and 
you know, it's kind of the end of the Mad Men era, kind of end of the 80s advertising era, but still people had this style that they like to, you know, write things physically down. And computers were really mm-hmm. taken on, so everybody had desktops and laptops and stuff like that. But but the, like, true, like, hardcore, good, old-school writers really just, like, stuck to their guns. You know, it's like a photographer not wanting to go digital, right? They're like, <laughs> I got to have film. And people, they're like, yeah. you know, I'm, I got to write this down with a pencil or a pen. It's, like, in, on a notepad. Like, I can't type into this. They call it the white void. Um, and everything just feels a little bit more, like, kind of you know, real and you can kind of move things around and scratch things out and write in the, the margins and stuff like that. But everybody always just talked about like the first thing that they do is get out their pen and paper or their pencil and paper. And some people are like super specific about the type of pencil that they use or the pen that they use. I'm like super specific about the pen that I use. My wife hates them. It's like a pilot gel pen. Um, it's not yeah. fancy or anything, but it just feels right. You know, when you write on paper, you just have to know which one feels right. Um, and so there's, there's something in that to me that like allows you to kind of like step outside for a minute away from your computer, especially now it's really hard to get away from your screen. Um, yeah. but physically writing on a notepad or a notebook, like I still have, I have stacks of notebooks, um, here at my house and around that I have just filled up and I can't bring myself to throw them away for some reason um you know it's because there's some good ideas in there, there might be you, know, you could res there you can res- resurrect some of those yeah. or even bad ideas yeah. you know bad ideas can can sometimes be even better than good ideas, oh yeah you yeah know? yeah so it's so. it's really important i think being able to like write things down and my um creative director um rob simpson when i was at gjp would always be like go write it and write it like a hundred times and you're, you didn't think he meant it literally, but he actually did mean it literally is like, go write that headline a hundred different ways. And you'd have to go off and you couldn't come back with like five things. He'd be like, where's all the rest of them. And you'd have yeah. to bring back <laughs> actually do a hundred, but it helps you right. To be able to, to physically see the different ways in which uh, a headline is shaped or which, you know, way copy is written or, or said and being able to move stuff around. Um, it's just physically being able to see it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's great, great feedback. The what about the people who just like me have horrible handwriting, uh, can't decipher it after the fact? Can that can this concept still hold water on the laptop, on your cell phone, whatever? I assume you know you, nowadays on the iPad you can write stuff, and then all of a sudden it changes changes it to type. I, I assume the big idea here though is is that the power is that you are sort of you know physically manifesting something and your your it's handcrafted right yeah. and so can can you do you think you can bring that mentality to a a keyboard and and other devices or do you really think there's there's some nostalgia and magic and romance in in the power of the pen yeah i'm not going to say that um you can't possibly do it another way um, but I think there just, there's a feeling and maybe it's that I came from a time where that was kind of how you wrote notes in school or you wrote ideas down. It'll be interesting if it were somebody like my kids who type all their notes into their computer as they sit in class or whatever, they come from a different generation about doing it. So I guess you could translate it. Like if you can write with a pen on, on an iPad mm. and have it translate for you. I don't know many writers that have good penmanship. 
I don't. I think it's like a prerequisite that you have to have bad penmanship. The only people with good writing penmanship <laughs> are designers, because they're designing out each letter. Yeah. And I know that because like I don't. I I would never put something that I wrote in front of people, but I would put my brother's notes in front of someone any day of the week because his penmanship's so nice. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think the the idea of it is you know part of it is that like you know old school advertising mentality where they're like sit back kick your feet up on the desk get out your pen and paper and start writing and that um that can be true like to you know get away from your desk and the distraction and stuff and really be able to focus so if you can get away from your desk and focus on an ipad and not open up the apps or get distracted by that i think that's can serve the same purpose yeah and so unlike, you know, you talk about the copywriter's Bible, unlike uh, Moses who who had one shot to, you know, as the story goes, to, to get it in stone <laughs> uh, on, the ten, on the Ten Commandments, yeah. it, it seems like part of this exercise of the power of the pen is that, you know, uh, or the power of the pencil is that it has an eraser. Um, is, is, there, is there truth in that where, you know, the pencil, y- you can get in, get ideas down, mess with it erase some things change some things like um or or do you think that they're what do you say to people who just want to sit around and only write down what they think is the solution um i think you have to get it down and you can't erase it like you have to see it there right like i always learned that like your um your you know like the first 10 ideas that you come up with are the worst ideas like you never really get to the best idea by um, when in your fir- the first idea that comes out of your head is never like the best, right? So you have to get those bad ideas out of the way and you kind of have to see them, right? Like, so I learned my whole career that you stay away from puns and um, mm-hmm. there's just certain things you're like, play, you know, play on words okay, but puns are bad. And so if you have a pun stuck in your head, sometimes you can't um, get rid of it. You have to like write it down just to get rid of it and then you can move gotcha. on past it. So there's something in that maybe you can take your old journals and craft a like a like an art book maybe that's like uh nate's lost book of puns. <laughs> that'd be fun there's probably <laughs> there's probably some good ones in there um well that's 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 great man and so the the, the next thing i want to transition to is kind of you know on the flip side of that right yep. so the power of the pen you said get it all out, write it all down, get as much on the page as you can. But one of the next concepts that a lot of the, the, the writers in the book talk about is the opposite, which is simplify, simplify, simplify. Yeah. So talk to me about that stage um, and, and getting to that refinement stage. How has that panned out in, in your career as a writer? How important is it to say it less but better? I think it's maybe one of the larger themes of my career is um, being able to say the most possible things in the shortest amount of time, right? So, um, again, I started in a time where billboards were a big deal. And so, um, if you're doing it on a billboard, it's got to be four to seven words, right? Can you say, Mm. can you say a thousand words in four to seven words? That was like the key. Right. So, um, yeah, you don't, you, you don't even get it. You don't get a tweet back. Then. Yeah. 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 No, you don't No, It was, it was like everything. In the, and you thought of a headline the same way. Like, could you get an idea across with, with, 
seven words or could you get it across with no words um and so it, you know it's a it's a difficult you know thing to do to be able to to say something oh man i i'm disrupted by my child screaming upstairs um so <laughs> that's all right um talking about not simple um but you know being able to say something in a way that someone just like just gets it right like yeah i think that's that's the key so if you could say it in less words can you cut out this word can you cut out that word can you shorten it can you spin it and say it another way to make it shorter it's always kind of been the my like favorite kind of pastime to do um and i you know look back at my portfolio and like what what's in there like that i've said or done that like i can look back on that's like this so so simple it's always um it's always you know the ones that are just a headline right like if it's a post on social media these days like what's the what's the line that goes with that or the lead-in piece from that that can go i wrote one for the farm that was like cider so fresh this picture was taken five minutes from now um (laughs) and i just like always look back at that and think that you know like to me it makes me laugh but you know it's like one of those things it's like it puts a picture in your head and tells a whole story um with a in a short amount of um words like what are those things um might have yeah that's really that's really cool the uh for those listening um nate's a part of a legacy family here in the uh, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area that has a, a farm operation called McGlassons. They have wonderful fall festivals. I'll put a link in the show notes, but that's kind of what he was talking about. He's he is not a farmer. No. Uh, he I did grow up for on sure the, working he, there. Uh, but he, yeah, I don't do it now. Some farm in I don't do it now. You got some farm yeah. in you, but you are not. A I farmer. just go visit. No, um, <laughs> you know, I think the concept you were just talking about, um, you know, really is what inspired this show, right? Yeah. You know, the phrase, the phrase, a quick read, it's that moment where, man, you see it and it just lands really fast. Yeah. And that's the thing I've always appreciated about working with you because, you know, even just hanging out, you know, I'll say something or tell a joke and then you'll like rephrase it or paraphrase yeah. it. And then it, it's always just better when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that's my superpower for you if you need if you need a, the short big idea bring in me and i'll i'll help you say the same thing but different it was it was always that's, a weird thing that my creative director would do when i would take him all those lines um he would pick out the ones that were the shortest he would pick out the ones that said the thing the best mm. and then he would write like five lines himself of the same thing really quick and really like succinct and it would say the same thing that I was trying to say, but it would always be better. And it always pissed me off that he would be able to do it so fast. And then I was like, someday, someday I'll be that good. I'll be, I'll be able to pull that off where I can do it that way. I still question myself whether or not I can do it. But um, I think that's maybe a good sign for any writer is that um, they always question themselves and then always try to write it better. You know, I think... If you yeah. think you've got it, then there's very few headlines that I've written that I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the line. I have to have someone else tell me it's good um, before I know mm-hmm. Before I know it's good. I, in my head, I'll be like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty decent. But, um, you know, most of the time I need someone to, um, like, kind of identify that or, you know, reassure me that that's the right one. Yeah. 
or if you're working with a group, you get that lift in the room where everybody kind of like, kind of has a moment yeah. and gets excited. You that's know, it. Which yeah, is always fun. Yep. Um, man, that's great stuff. Man, it's so good to hear. It's so good to hear those words come out of your mouth. I think sometimes as creatives, we feel like we're the only ones. Yeah. Who get stuck? We feel like we're the only ones who can't get there. Yeah. And so, just to hear other creatives who, like yourself, who are so experienced and been in the game for a while still have those feelings and moments is you know hopefully to listeners reassuring that you know keep at it man keep at it keep grinding keep putting pen to pen to paper keep simplifying and and you'll get there yeah and ultimately where we're trying to get is the big idea yeah and that's sort of the the third point of of this book is that you know when you go through the copywriter's bible it is just chock full of big ideas right so the million dollar question i have for you nate is how do you get to the big idea? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, if I knew how to do that every time, I would be so much more well off than I am right now. <laughs> um, I think, you know, like that was what I kind of learned from, from school and from different creative directors throughout the year that were kind of pushing me. We had a one creative director at Wonder Group who, if you were forced to go concept or, or come up with big ideas, you... Um, had to come back and if you said it said whatever the big idea was and she didn't automatically get it she would make you move on to the next one or you would um like have to go back and rewrite it so if you wanted it mm-hmm. if you wanted to get your idea through it had to be like spot on like if you said it out loud that had to be it um it, you know like um with like carnival we talked about um that project and it was like the grab your destiny uh, contest mm-hmm. and and there there was like you just say that and there's so much to it, it was like this cruise ship they're you know giving away all the stuff on it like and the cruise ship the cruise ship for context yeah the name of the cruise ship was, was the carnival destiny yeah. and the concept of the social media campaign which was interactive was they were retiring the carnival destiny cruise ship and we were actually giving pieces away like the steering wheel and window portholes and other things because cruise ship fans are sort of fanatical and so in in our in our purple cow podcast we talked about this concept of uh otaku which is sort of like almost obsessed but not quite and cruise ship fans are like full of otaku they are like they're insane and they they want a part of their journey because they may have gone on these cruises for you know, three, four, five years, their their kids may have been raised vacationing on the Carnival Destiny. Yep. And and there it was in three words, yeah. the campaign itself. Yep. Grab your destiny. Yeah. Man, that's great. It worked. You know, it's it's one of those things too that you like when you when you do this, you have to know your audience. Like you're saying right there, is like understand who these people are, get inside of their their mind, what their mindset is, and then figure out what's that thing that will speak to them, right? So everything yeah. we do is a conversation, even if there's no words involved in an ad or a video or whatever, you're, you're, you're getting to the point and having a conversation with someone in a way that, you know, like really connects with them. So how do you do that um, and, and say that, that, you know, that one quick thing that really grabs their attention and says everything you need to see, like, from a creative perspective, it's like when you write something and or hear an idea 
that someone has and you can already imagine what the ads look like or the video or the mm, website yeah, or the yeah. the social content you're like dude i can see it i can see it i can see yep. how this grab your destiny i can see how we're gonna make you know a funny video out of that and i can see how the website's gonna work and i, and I can just see how it all ties together i think that's to me how how you can like a big idea really comes to life and and for me that's always been from a copy perspective it's really about simplifying it all down, right? So if we go back yeah. to simplify, it's what are those four words or whatever that you can say or use? Uh, I might have to stop the pause this for a minute. <laughs> this kid is out of control. Well, don't know what they did with him but he got quiet he got quiet really quick so i don't know if they like shoved a whole bag of gummy bears in his mouth or yeah whatever duct tape yeah he's in his worst form right now so nate that i I really like what you said about uh when you're talking about the big idea and you're talking about um simplifying i love that you 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 pointed out that a big idea is not a tagline a big idea is not just an image a big idea is something that can contain multiple things that sounds like what you were describing yeah would you agree with that yeah absolutely i think um a lot of times we'll present stuff to people and we'll say like this isn't the word that you would ever you know like this isn't the phrase that you would see in public right like this is just the idea And then, you know, there's going to be a different headline for your ad. There's going to be different. We're going to say it differently in the thing. But the the idea is this. Um, Yeah. And so sometimes it can be like when you're looking at branding today, coming up with an, um, you know, the voice for a company. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to have to. We're going to have to do it. He's back. (laughs) Sorry. Hold on. I'll be right back. So those of you listening, uh, Nate, unbelievable guy, great dad. He's got twins and he's got uh, a young son and daughter who are under the age of uh, basically five, I think. Um, so anyway, he's he's amazing. And I'm back. <laughs> Good God, that kid. <laughs> That's oh, it's not. Oh man, it's great. So. For those who are um, who are young in the game, who are you know young in their careers as copywriters, trying to get to that moment, I guess how would you paraphrase for them? What's the thing you'd say to them right now and say, the big idea is what? Um, the big idea is that simple statement that like that brings everything together. It like holds holds all the pieces together, right? So if you're to create a campaign and have a bunch of pieces that you have to make. It's that one like uniting statement that brings everything together and identifies what you're talking about and connects with a consumer on a level that they want. And it, you know, ultimately will help drive impression and, and hopefully, you know, money for someone's business. Right. So it's that, that Mm -hmm. one simple statement that it's the aha moment, right? When you say it or you hear it or you see it, you're like, ah, I get it. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, well, and if you if you can come up with big ideas and if you can find a way to hack your way through it, 
you'll stay employed in advertising. Would you agree with that? I totally agree with that. And I think being able to identify that on the smallest level, like that's the hardest thing to do. I mean, I think some people would mm-hmm. think that maybe longer form writing or whatever is the hardest part of, of doing it, like longer storytelling. I think being able to say, say something really long in a very short way is the hardest thing to do. Hmm. It always has I been. I like that. Yeah. That was good. That, that almost felt like a greeting card right there. That was, it is. It's a, an, that was another a, uh, business I'm going to get into probably. Yeah. Greeting cards. <laughs> lyrics, to, lyrics to a song. Yeah. Well, man, I, this has been so much fun. It's been a, a, a blast talking with you, and um, it's been fun that you've opened up your uh, your world to us and getting to hear the the kiddos and, and all that stuff <laughs> is, is really you fun. You can definitely hear them. I guess that's the... Uh, that's the um, the benefits and the challenges of the uh, the work from home life and in the the small business it life, is, right? Yeah. You know, when you guys have your studio in the basement, yeah. There's no um, um, separating it sometimes, but you know, it's also it's also <laughs> not a like nine to five gig, right? Like it's a yeah. The idea hits you at midnight. You got to write it down. Um, kind of well, way. and cl- clients can't re- clients can't resist cute kids, right? Yeah, Come yeah. On. I think everybody gets a pass you know, right now, and sure. <laughs> in this crazy time that's great man so so speaking of your your all's gig there at uh headquarters uh home home hq um how can people get a hold of die brothers how can people work with nate die copywriter extraordinaire um talk a little bit this is the the point in the show where you get to tell us what you're doing and how we can all connect with them. oh cool um well you know email is the easiest way i have uh nate at diebrothers.com for my email okay. um, or chris at diebrothers.com. You can email us or we have our website, uh, diebrothers.com. Um, those are, you know, pretty easy. I, I don't want to give out my phone number on here, but texting also works. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. we're pretty straightforward. And I think the beauty of what we do is there's not a lot of layers to it. And we really enjoy working with people and, and then bringing them in with us in the process. Um, yeah. From an agency perspective, there's usually a bit more uh, like layers, uh, people to talk to, client service, strategists, all kinds of stuff. There's different levels. We kind of do all those things ourselves, and we enjoy that. I think being able to hear it from the client themselves, what they're looking for, what drives them, what motivates them, or their audience, or their brand. I think understanding those things really helps us connect with them and we try to run like a we are brothers and we um often fight like brothers but we uh more than not get along (laughs) like brothers and anybody that we work with we feel like is family um so we kind of always try to invite everybody in and make them feel welcome and make them feel like they're part of it um with us so that's kind of like what we like to do um and i think it helps that's so it helps us get to you know really smart places with people that we maybe they didn't think they could get to or we didn't think they could get to and it, it ends up being really fun that's cool now for those listeners that are like you and they've got kids uh making noise in, in their backgrounds as they're listening to the show yeah. tell them about your all's side hustle you guys got some children's content that you produce um is there a way they can find that we do we it's on our website um we have a little section for our kids books i believe um we sell them on through amazon you can buy them on amazon or a lot of bookstores will have them, um, like online bookstores. You can find them. We have a series of kids books that we did that, you know, I felt like 
after reading a lot of books to your kids, uh, you find there's a lot of holes in what they're doing or telling or the stories they're telling. And we just, I had this idea for these like animal ironies um, one day. So it'd be funny things that happen to animals that, you know, like an elephant who's allergic to peanuts or uh, a bald eagle (laughs) that's scared of heights or um, a peacock, a peahen that is jealous of the how pretty the boys are or a cheetah <laughs> that's confused for a leopard, like all these things um, that are like, yeah. you know, natural animal ironies that could happen. And then what's the story behind those? So we always try to put a good lesson into them. So Godfrey, the elephant um, is as the first one we did. And then we did um, Bailey, the bald Eagle. And yeah. then we did Constance, the peahen, And we've got a few more, um that are written but not yet designed or not yet illustrated apparently that takes the most time and so uh <laughs> there's a little jab so, there's a little jab for jab. your brother yeah. the designer yeah, the guy who a little jab to the designer and the operation poor guy who spends most of the time doing our work so um <laughs> easy easy for a copywriter who has to uh who has to punch a couple keystrokes yeah. to to take a yeah. jab at a designer who has to for a kids book handcraft art yeah. for a kids book that has like twelve <laughs> words per page. Uh, <laughs> listen again, it's really difficult to narrow that down because even writing kids books, oh. I apply the same thing to writing advertising. Is that I shorten? <laughs> you had to like you write out this big long story and you're like, well, that doesn't fit on a page, and no three year old yeah. is going to like be able to absorb the story you're telling. So how do you tell a three-year-old about peanut allergies um, and, and tell a story? So to me, like I just love different forms of, of people telling stories, whether it's comedians or movies or shows or whatever. I always look for like the storytelling in it. That's my favorite part of Mm -hmm. writing. Um, And I think that that kind of stuff can be found, you know, in our kids books and, and in our work we do for, for brands and stuff. So it's always fun. And even in a mural, right? Like what's the story behind the mural or the, the thing yeah. we did a giant, um, Kraken uh, octopus thing at a agency. And there was a whole setup and story behind, you know, the many faceted, you know, arms that they have and the work that they do and the things that they can tackle. And I don't know, there's just a whole story behind it that really helps sell the idea. So again, it's really just kind of incorporating that whole thing into our into our world. Everything that we have going on around us, we can work into what we're doing. Yeah, well, and that's that's what I love about you guys. You're 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 versatile, and I know um, you know we we've used you a ton, um, and I've I've worked with you both when you were at Leap and when you when you were out of Leap. Um, we continued to work together. Yeah. So, um, you guys are the best, man. And hey, Thanks, this buddy. has been amazing. Like, talk about. Uh, the copywriter's Bible. I feel like you were you were the pastor today, <laughs> and you were preaching you were preaching the gospel, I've man. And I love it. You know the power of the pen, simplify, and you know big ideas are much more than just uh, catchy lines or art. It's it's something that can contain um, an ecosystem, really. Yeah. You know, even with your kids' books, that's a big idea, and you've got you know seven or eight books. It sounds like you're you're working out yeah. of that. Uh, if it was just a, a a fancy title, then then you couldn't be doing that with all the different books. Right. So, um, hopefully, the listeners 
are picking up what we're putting down and, and they've enjoyed this conversation. I know I have, and you're definitely coming back to the show. We've got too many stories to, to share, not to have you back. Yeah. On. My brother said he wants um, to do it. So maybe we'll get both of us on okay. or you can just do him and I'll listen and heckle him from the side. Yeah, no, that's good, man. So it's been a ton of fun. I appreciate you as always. Absolutely, my friend. Um, and uh, those of you listening in, if you have enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to uh, go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, leave a rating and review. As always, love a five-star rating, but I appreciate honesty more than I do flattery. So give me a one if you have to and tell me why. Matter of fact, I'll even invite you on the show to give me feedback on how to make it better. So, um, yeah. So thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, share it all over the social medias and give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. See you next time.